Please stand for the reading of the gospel. As we engage this Word of God today from the seventh chapter of St. Mark, we want you to hear how deep the Father's love is for the folks Jesus will encounter in this reading from Scripture, the seventh chapter, how deep Jesus' love is for them and for us. Jesus had been spending some time, all of his ministry up until this point, in Galilee. And so from there, he set out and he went away to to the region of Tyre. This is a region along the Mediterranean Sea. He entered a house and he did not want anyone to know that he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him and, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the little children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then Jesus said to her, for saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went, she went home, found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside in private, away from the crowd, put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said to him, Ephetha, which is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, yesterday was uh, one of the best days of the year. Can you guess what day it was? College football season, right? Yeah, look, I knew this crowd would know a little bit about that. The opening of college football, Georgia Clemson last night, a great defensive battle. Notre Dame, Florida State tonight. Both Catawba and Lenore Ryan won yesterday. That makes the day a great day. And if you prefer the NFL, you know that this Thursday kicks off uh, with Dak Prescott going up against Tom Brady. And Sunday, the Panthers are in action against the Jets. It's a great time of the year, which means... Get ready for some highs and some lows, some exciting victories and some excruciating defeats. Fans will argue whose team is the best, whose quarterback is the best, whose coach is the best, whose stadium is the best. If you like football, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, well, there's one thing you need to know. In the world of football, all that matters is what? Winning. It's all that matters. That's all that anybody cares about. If you go to Green Bay today and you ask anybody who you see, I don't care if it's the team, members of the team, the coaching staff, the maintenance crew, the concession stand operators, if you ask them, what is your goal today? And they will say, to make sure that Green Bay wins its next game. Winning is all that matters. 
Now, look, I'm a football fan, and so that kind of attitude doesn't bother me at all. I sort of like it. I like the competition. I like the drive. I like the spirit, and I like it when my team wins. (laughs) You got it? But I don't like that attitude. I don't like that attitude when it comes to our faith. When fighting to win stands in the way of loving like Jesus which is what I'd like to spend some time talking about today. As you might remember, we've been working through this gospel of Mark throughout the year. We encountered Jesus in lots of different ways and beautiful and astounding ways throughout that gospel. And in our reading today, in the middle of this gospel, the seventh chapter is essentially in the middle of the gospel, there's this beautiful and fascinating story about Jesus setting aside winning for the sake of loving. Uh, let's take a look, a little closer look at it, if you don't mind. So, as I mentioned, Jesus had been spending his entire ministry in the land of Galilee. If we were to put a map up, up on the wall, you would see Galilee right here and the Mediterranean Sea over here. And along the Mediterranean Sea is, are these cities, Tyre and Sidon. It's a region that's north of Galilee. It's north of the land of Israel. It's the land of modern-day Lebanon, but then was known as the region of the Phoenicians, the Phoenicians. That's important. So Jesus was stepping outside of his home base, outside of his region, outside of the land of Israel, and he was engaging all of a sudden, suddenly, for the very first time, in the land of the Phoenicians. That's, up in, that's, that's important to know because it's foreign territory right? Among these Phoenicians, the people of of Israel didn't like the Phoenicians. (laughs) Why? Well, there are a number of reasons. The first of which is that the Old Testament yokes Tyre and Sidon, the two most important cities of Phoenicia, yokes Tyre and Sidon alongside Sodom and Gomorrah. These were, these were unrepentant cities, the Old Testament tells us. Second, Israel had a long history of competing against the Phoenicians, primarily economically and politically. They were rivals. They were hated foes. Duke, Carolina, Alabama, Auburn, you get the picture, right? These were the Phoenicians, at least. They were thought to be the wealthy, arrogant Phoenicians that they just thought they were so much better than everybody else. We don't like them at all. That just made things even worse, right? You get the picture? All right. Which makes verse 25 all the more interesting. Take a look again. 25, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about Jesus, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, guess what? This woman is a a Gentile, which means she's not a Jew. She was a Syrophoenician, which we'll explore a little bit uh, more. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Quick jump to the end of the story. What's Jesus going to do? He's going to help her out, right? I mean, that's what we expect him to do. That's what Jesus sort of does. And sure enough, that's what he does. But here's the question I'm interested in. Why? I mean, really, think about it. Uh, And this woman is at the absolute bottom of the totem pole as far as the Jews are concerned. Just talking to her made Jesus ritually impure. Um, he, it was just something that the law didn't even per- permit him to do. Second, she's a Syrophoenician, which, which in their system among the Phoenicians is the lowest of the low. She's in the lowest class among the Phoenicians. Third, she's a Syrophoenician woman. And as you know, like it or not, women in the first century didn't have much social standing. And if that wasn't enough, 
I mean, come on, that's enough. Those are enough strikes against her at this point, right? No, that's not enough. She also has a demon-possessed daughter. And keep in mind, this is a day and age when mental illness was totally misunderstood, and the assumption was that a child's mental illness was the direct result of something that you or your ancestors had done, something, some wrong you had committed in the past. So it's sort of like payback. They deserve to have a daughter who has this kind of demon possession or mental illness. Here's the deal. When she approached Jesus, he knew all of that. Every bit of that he knew about her. And the easiest thing he could have done was to ignore her or judge her, right? He could have walked away. That's done all the time, isn't it? Right? When we don't want to deal with something that's, uh, that's there before us, we just walk away. We ignore it. Or he could have baited her into an argument, right? I mean, let's just see how far she'll go. She needs to be put in her place, he could have thought carefully, meticulously. He could have outlined why she was wrong to even be there in his presence. He could have condemned her publicly. The disciples were around him, his team. They would have buoyed him, boosted him to to maybe even embarrass her, remind her and everybody else around her that there's a right and the wrong and that there's a righteous and an unrighteous and she is certainly not to be exalted that day or any day. It would have felt so good. These disciples, don't you know, would have egged him on, cheered at the way he was dismantling this hated Phoenician, thumping his Bible with every sentence. So satisfying. Come on, Jesus, they would have thought, maybe, maybe even said out loud, we're tired of getting pushed around here. Tired of it. Let's win one, Jesus. Finally. It's precisely what all of Israel and all of his tribe wanted him to do, to stand up for what's right. Oddly enough, that's not what Jesus does. Because, I don't know, maybe because sometimes fighting to win can keep us from loving like Jesus. Do you feel like that's where we are these days? I do. I mean, there seem to be two groups that have just taken sides, dug in their heels, separating themselves into the corner of a boxing ring. Two groups, two tribes at battle, fighting to win at whatever cost, bearing gritted teeth, hurling insult, cheered on by members of of their own particular tribe, holding high the banner of what they proclaim is, is right, refusing to consider any other possibility. Two hated foes fighting to win at whatever cost because winning is all that matters, right? Except that for Jesus, loving is all that matters. And maybe that's easy to forget. I mean, maybe we say it too much, and it's easy to overlook because it's just so obvious. But you do remember, right, that Jesus is in the business of loving, (laughs) I mean, that's what resurrection is all about, right? That's what new life is all about. That's what grace, amazing grace, is all about. That's what forgiveness, reconciliation, that's what it's all about. A second chance, it's rooted in love. Searching for the lost, love is the only reason you do such a thing. Rescuing us from sin, love. 
But what about those times when you just want to prove that you're right? Dadgummit! Man, like here, these Phoenicians, they were pagans. They didn't care about God. They didn't care about Jesus. They didn't care about anybody but themselves. Surely there comes a point not to love but to condemn, to stop being nice, stop being weak and mamby-pamby. Come on now, Jesus. Like when the woman in today's gospel, did you notice this odd little part of the Scripture, of the story? When the woman literally falls on her face, right, and, and begs Jesus for help, and finally, finally, Jesus is going to have a good answer, right? We're, we're just waiting for him, the disciples and all the others. Come on, Jesus, this is your moment. And Jesus says, sure enough, he says, hey, you know, let, let the children be fed first. Children meaning the children of Israel. Let the children be fed first. For it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dog. Way to go, Jesus. You put her in her place, Jesus. Because that's all she is, is a dog, Jesus, right? That's all that matters. I mean, really? Did Jesus just call her a dog? Wait, surely, surely not. I mean, that's what everybody else always called the Phoenicians. That's what they were taught from the beginning of time to call the Phoenicians. That's what they, they would make jokes about the Phoenicians. They had, they had rhymes about the Phoenicians, and it always included that, that horrible word, dog, right? It's about time. They are dogs, and so insulting. Such a word of contempt against people that were so Daggum arrogant, so wrong. And quite honestly, it's probably what that woman expected to hear. She had heard that all before. She knew what they thought of her. She'd probably been called worse in her life. And yet, there's a little bit of a surprise that's easy to sort of miss here. It's a surprise in this story that's hard to pick up in the English translation because the word that, that Jesus that Jesus uses isn't the word, the same word, dog, that would have been used for like a mongrel, mangy kind of dog. But instead, Jesus uses the word for, for lap dog. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? I mean, the pet that you sort of let climb on your furniture, the pet that so many of us treat like a king, <laughs> yeah. That's the word that Jesus uses. Wait, is Jesus being sarcastic here? I mean, is he being serious? What are you doing, Jesus? Playful, maybe? Or maybe Jesus isn't so much speaking to her as he's speaking to the disciples, right? I mean, these disciples who just wanted to follow the rules as they understood them, to separate right from wrong, the righteous from the unrighteous, the, the people of Israel from the Phoenicians, right? They wanted to win, to finally win, but Jesus shows us once again that it's always more important to love. Daggummit. <laughs> to love. Sometimes... Our ears are closed to that word of truth. The next part of the gospel, which I'm not going to get into, but it's an interesting story because Jesus leaves the land of Phoenicia and he returns to Galilee along the Sea of Galilee. And he encounters a man who is deaf 
and you know he, he opens his ears right to hear. And it strikes me that, gosh, I, all of a sudden I'm finding myself in the story. <laughs> maybe I'm that guy who's deaf. And maybe really what I need to be praying for is that Jesus might unclog my ears. <laughs> that Jesus might soften my heart. On those days when I think I'm burdened with the battle and I've got to fight that battle to win it. To be reminded that Jesus has already fought that battle. That Jesus has already won that battle. Why? For the sake of love. Right? To love like Jesus. What does that look like in today's environment? When all that seems to matter is winning, well, it looks like Jesus, really. Who in a world that was filled with so much hate, he willingly went to a cross and he gave his life for all, not for a few, for all. That's what love looks like. And that's the only thing that's going to change this world. So friends, as we engage this world, as we step into a new week, may you look through that lens, the lens not of winning, but of loving. May your heart be filled with that kind of heart, a heart that is eager to love with all that you possibly can love. As we enter into the week, friends, know that you are deeply loved by God and that whatever you do, wherever you go this week, May we love like Jesus. Amen.